0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to You'll Probably Agree. Today, I have Victoria Shady Benetton from Beverages with Bevin. Uh, first off, uh, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I know thank you for are me. a comic book and movie uh, sort of guru. Uh, could you tell me a little bit about yourself and what got you into gay culture?
1: Sure. Um, So yes, I am a, I guess, a geek, if you will, as opposed to a nerd, which there is a funny little contention in the show about the difference between a geek and a nerd. And if Mm -hmm. you're one or the other, you kind of know the difference. But um, I got into it, actually, because I'm a producer-actor, first and foremost, and I was producing geek culture. Just I didn't really know what it was called at the time. It was just like, oh, I like Star Wars, and I want to make some Star Wars music videos. And, uh, you know, I want to create a show about Batman fans, a narrative, actually. And so I actually, when I moved up to New York, I went to New York Comic Con just to kind of get the feel for the culture. And that is where I met the publisher of Den of Geek, who was interested in using me as kind of like a media host because I generally just seemed to love the culture. And that's how I got started um, attending Comic Cons and doing fandom on-screen interviews and stuff like that.
0: Wow. So... Where did the uh, premise of Beverages with Bevan come in?
1: So it actually came from my work at Den of Geek. Um, One of the the guys that's no longer there, he's a really great guy. All of them are really great guys. Um, One of them used to make a joke when we would go to San Diego Comic-Con is I couldn't start the day without my chai. And so I would would stop to always get a chai before we would begin the day. And, you know, I was going as Bevan, as like my Clark Kent alias name. And so he kept making a joke of like, bevies with Bevan, here we go, the next, it's the next day, and here's, we're having beverages with Bevan before she can even start. So I I loved the title, I thought it was great, and um, what ended up happening, I guess it was like three years later, um, the show just kind of got picked up by um, a distributor uh, through Entertainment, which is a Web3 platform, and it got distributed on Tubi, and here we are. That's a oh. very condensed version of how it happened, but that's the cliff notes version of how it happened.
0: I see. Oh wow! So, what's the longer version?
1: The longer version is. I need. Well, let's see. What I liked about um, the title is that. Uh, <laughs> oh, don't die on me, Mike! Don't die! <laughs> Come back! We're not. We're not done yet. I swear, I'm not boring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the longer version is. Um, I really enjoyed when I would sit down and take a drink with somebody afterwards, just kind of how their true personality came out. I'm sorry, I have construction going on in my building, and sometimes you're just going to hear jackhammering. And anybody (laughs) that follows me on Instagram knows that the struggle is real. It's been six months of sporadic, just jackhammering.
0: I've, I've had a building I lived in that had that all the time, and yeah. Especially, it's
1: wonderful.
0: Yeah, they 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 were jackhammering outside, and then inside they were fixing the elevator.
1: Oh my it's god! Just, uh. Can I tell you, my elevator? So so my building has three elevators, and one of them went down the week of Thanksgiving when there's so much travel going on. So that was that was fun too. But anyways, Ooh. we're not here to talk about elevators and jackhammering. I'm just saying, <laughs> you hear construction in the background. That's 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 them. They're lovely. Anyways, uh what was the question? Where it came from?
0: Yeah, where did you where did the uh concept come from?
1: The concept came from when <coughs> I would and he you're you're coughing and you're dying on me
0: again.
1: <laughs> well, nobody will ever know where this came from. Yeah,
0: no, I'll, um, I'll hit the mute button when I cough next
1: time. No, 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 you're totally fine. I just don't want you to die. Um so the concept came from I would go um so I would work for Den of Geek, and sometimes I would go to um Go do interviews for FanBolt as well um and i would always just kind of want to dra- grab a drink with people that i was interviewing afterwards and i just loved how casual and relaxed people get when you put like their favorite drink in front of them whether that be coffee or whiskey or anything like that and so i i kind of liked the idea of creating a more casual like environment for guests when they attend comic cons because uh, I'm sure you know this as somebody that interviews people and when you go to cons, everything's kind of presentational because they're there to advertise the product that either they made themselves or they represent. And so there's this kind of rehearsed nature about them and I don't blame them. That's kind of the point of press. And that's the point of the job is I'm here to get the word out and spread the word about my, my product, my comic book, my brand, my, my tea, what, whatever it is that you're at comic cons for Oh, the show I'm in or anything like that. Um, but when you put a drink in front of them, there's, there's just, you get to know the person behind the product. And I thought, man, I want to create more of that environment for people that I talk to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So is there a particular interview subject uh, from the show that stood out?
1: Ooh, that is really... Okay, so DJ Elliot, who is in the second episode, um, he is a very popular, very famous DJ in the culture, especially in the Star Wars community. And he also does a lot of DJing for for the Disney parks because he's based down in Florida. I discovered that he makes DeLoreans and sells them on the side and that was a lot of fun
0: wow he makes DeLoreans
1: yeah like like he yeah he makes like really fancy cosplay cars that look like back to the future DeLoreans and that's like a side gig that he has when he's not DJing and that was a lot of fun to discover I was like wait really
0: yeah I've seen I've seen some of those like when I've gone to cons like where they have like the you know, the door that goes up and down instead of yep. you know, the usual way. And then they got the flux capacitor inside with all the uh, little trinkets and nudgets of all the electronics you'd find within the DeLorean. It was just pretty incredible, like how they it, dress those things up.
1: It's amazing. He probably made it. You don't know. You should look it up. You should uh, see where, where who made it last time because that's, that's definitely one of the things that I discovered about him, and that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. So uh, can you tell me a little bit about Adultish and what your role is on that show?
1: Oh, yeah. So Adultish is actually the first narrative series that I created. It was a web series that um, actually has um, the character Bevin came actually from that series. Um, and it's just about millennial geeks in New York City that work in the pop culture force and are trying to f- navigate life as an adult. Um, and that's kind of like my role in that is I'm the creator on that. I'm one of the writers on that. And it is, we're currently trying to revamp it right now, um, and reboot it, if you will. Not that anybody else needs more reboots in the world, but here we are. I mean, Nobody really knew of this one unless you're in the indie web series market. We did go to Soul Web Fest, which was a lot of fun, and we won best web series of all genre, which was very exciting. Uh, we also did, went to NYC Web Fest and LA Web Fest, and I believe Rio Web Fest uh, as well, um, and Sicily. I think we also did Sicily as well. This was this is a while back. Um, but, yeah, it was like my little uh, – I call it like my textbook show because I didn't know how to make a show, and I figured, well – The only way to learn is to actually do it. So there's three seasons of it and you can see what I was learning throughout each season.
0: Oh, wow. So uh, moving on from something a little bit different. Sure. What do you you think about, what are your feelings about the current state of comic book films?
1: Sure. I actually just uh, wrote an article for Screen Crush on this that is not out yet. So stay tuned. Um. Honestly, I, you know, a lot of people say it's, there's superhero fatigue and I think it's just more people are fatigued by the formula. The formula is not creative. I don't think, I think if the scripts and the characters were engaging, I think people would be completely fine that there's a lot of superhero uh, television shows and movies out there. I think it's just the fact that the execution of it is too bland and too safe. That's my take on it right now.
0: Yeah, well, the problem is is it is too bland too safe. I remember when uh, Blue Beetle was coming out. I'm like, okay, I already know what this movie is going to be before I Mm even walk in to see it. You know, you're going to have a kid (coughs) from an awkward family who's going to come in, he's going to find out his superpowers, and then his family's going to learn about his superpowers, and they're going to accept him, and then he's going to go out, and there's going to be a villain of the week, he's going to fight him, they'll have that, and then it'll end, and then you know, the the movie will set up the next sequel. It's like, it's the same thing for every single one. And I think that's why it's kind of just getting boring and, you know, bland and something that, you know, we, we've we seen so much of. I think we're oversaturated with comic book films. You know, we got the television shows. They're showing you the film. And then you, when you see the movie, you got to see the show to understand what's going on in the movie. I had that problem with, Mar- with the Marvels. You know, I... I yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, no, no. I was supposed to say no. It. You bring up a fair point. I mean, back in the day, another guest that I had was Jeff Loeb, and he ran Marvel Television before it was, you know, encompassed into the Disney Plus genre. Um, but back in the day, people forget that there was already up to seven at one time Marvel shows on television while the MCU had uh, movies playing and they were all interconnected. The difference being that they were all self-contained to where you didn't really have to watch agents of shield in order, uh, in order to understand Avengers age of Ultron or Avengers infinity ward or, or game. It didn't, it, it wasn't a necessity. I think the issue is when Disney plus went live, Marvel was so cocky and confident that they were like, Oh, People are going to watch all of these Disney Plus Marvel shows, and they will also go and watch all of these movies because we've trained them to do that. When, in fact, you did not train us to watch both the the television shows and the movies. You trained us to watch the movies, which was only at most two of them a year. Yeah. Which is easier to digest than watch, you know, like Ahsoka, watch... Seven seasons of Clone Wars and four seasons of Rebels to understand the weight of Ezra and Sabine and Thrawn. Yeah. Which which is, you know, that if something feels like homework, even as adults, we don't want to do homework. We're we're out of school. We're done with yeah. homework.
0: Yeah, and that that's the problem. Like, I mean, I know when I was watching Ahsoka, I was excited to see those characters, but I kept thinking, like, who's gonna care when they watch this what these characters mean, you know. Because you got Thrawn, he's a brilliant military strategist, but <laughs> that doesn't really come through completely, you know, on the show. I mean, you get the idea, but you don't get how much of a threat he really is unless you've seen all the other, you know, unless you've seen all of Rebels, you know, to really encompass that.
1: Yeah, and I think if you had really solid... um workshopping and writing. I think one of the other factors is that Disney wants you to hit these release dates because you need to have constant content in order to keep people engaged with your streaming platform. I I don't think the Disney shows were allowed enough time to fully develop and workshop before going to camera. I think they... Had a shortened period of time. I, that's also, I think, why we got a strike—the writer strike and the actor strike—is there were they were getting overworked and forced to make things. I don't know this for sure, guys. I'm just I'm just guessing based on the release dates of these shows and how quickly the turnaround is. It's just we used to have to wait three years for a Star Wars property, and then all of a sudden, we're getting three Star Wars properties every single year. It's like, it's nuts. I think if, I think if Dave Filoni and his team had a longer time to truly workshop and develop Ahsoka, I don't think you would have had to have watched clone wars or rebels. I don't, again, I don't know. A lot of people want to blame Dave Filoni. I just, I just blame the execution. And that's, that's like, there are several people involved with the execution of that stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, it, (coughs) what it did was it, 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 what it tried to go over too much with too little background information, Correct. and it tried to make you just like assume that you know who these characters are and where they came from. And you know, they did a little bit of that establishing them, but it wasn't quite enough to really make you go, Oh, yeah, that's that's Ezra Bridger, he nearly took down you know Grand Admiral Thrawn, and now they're like in this. Mid- if like a, a quick flashback to like the end events of Rebels would have really helped everything out like in a huge way. But you know, they didn't do that. And I think you know, mostly it is a deadline thing. I don't think it's just Dave Loney. Yeah. But you get a lot of cooks in the kitchen, and then you know, who knows? Maybe Kathleen Kennedy comes knocking on his door and asks for a couple notes.
1: <laughs> like South Park. Yeah. <laughs> what a chicken and make her gay and lame.
0: <laughs>
1: oh now, no. Did they uh, make fun
0: of Kathleen Kennedy on South Park? I don't know.
1: Oh, but, you haven't seen the Into the Panda verse?
0: Uh no. You see, I think <laughs> I think I stopped seeing South Park. Um I think I stopped seeing it about like three or four years ago. Oh um, no, this I seen like every season like before that.
1: Oh, I don't watch South Park, but I watched this one because there was so much buzz around what South Park, South Park, was just going to attack Disney yeah, um, and the multiverse. So I, I watched it for the sake of that. And it was just funny because it, it, it um, there was a lot of commentary on just what we're talking about with the fatigue and the multiverse and it being lame. And they were touching upon like, you know, it's fine to have a multiverse if it makes sense and you spend time developing these people. But if you just do it because, Oh, this would be cool. Let's do it. You know, that's where, that's where you turn audiences off of wanting to watch something. So, yeah, I definitely, I definitely think Disney's oversaturation is an issue, but I also think that we wouldn't feel fatigued if these were really good stories with really compelling characters.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the main problem is that they all kind of feel like the same characters. Like I didn't find Captain Marvel that hugely of a compelling character. I guess there's the the underlying sort of uh, message in the original film where, <laughs> where Captain Marvel can't be too emotional, and because of that, like, she can't really show her true powers, and, you know, it has something to do with woman being emotional, and this and that and the other, but, you know, it didn't quite resonate. No,
1: you know it's funny when Captain Marvel came out. The only affiliation I had with her is, oh, that's the chick that Rogue got her powers from. Uh-huh. That that was that was how I knew Captain Marvel. Um, and I actually got to talk to um the writer Sam Mags at New York Comic Con in the show as well. And she's a big Captain Marvel fan, and I. You know, I definitely love that she wants to support the character and she's she's bringing something different to the table. But that's in the comics. That's not in the it's not translating to the movies. Yeah. So I I definitely think Captain Marvel would benefit from having some just just more depth to her personality besides the fact that she's she's got kind of the Superman problem. Yeah. I mean, Superman, I think, has really compelling uh, story arcs. And, you know, Christopher Reeves' Superman films are mostly great. Uh, I'm not going to really count three and four. Right. Um, (laughs) But, you know, if you don't have... Again, it goes back to uh, if you don't have a good writer that's setting up some stakes and some, you know, conflicts and barriers for them to overcome, then then it becomes a little bland. Uh, Then it becomes a little boring. Superman can basically do anything. He's hard to kill. He's invulnerable. It's similar to Captain Marvel. She's she's the same, yeah,
0: basically. You could do the exact opposite with Superman where you raise the stakes by murdering everyone in Metropolis, and that doesn't work out too well either. Uh, so yeah. growing up, what was your favorite comic book character and why?
1: Ooh, I mean... Anybody that, I mean, if you look at my handle, my Instagram handle, that should give you a clue of who my favorite comic book character is.
0: Oh, okay. Wait, I got to look up your Instagram. No, right no, it's now. on
1: my little, it's on my, it says Victoria at, there you go, Instagram. That's my Instagram handle.
0: Oh, okay. So I, I don't get who. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's,
1: it's It's Batman.
0: Oh, it's Batman. Okay. It's yeah, on the yeah. Instagram handle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That, that um, one's
0: also my favorite. Uh, Batman was the movie that got me into making movies, actually, which I know Tim Burton's Batman is not faithful to what Batman's really like. Like, Batman doesn't just mercilessly kill, but it was 1989. You know, the times are a little different and people kind of embraced superheroes who killed. Like, they didn't care so much. You know, they they all gravitated towards the Schwarzenegger movies and the Stallone movies where bad guys were wiped out by the dozens. But I I actually started reading the Batman 89 comic and it's kind of disappointing because it's true to Batman but not true to who Tim Burton's Batman was. Yeah. You know, and because, like, there's a scene where, Batman is trying to save someone. I won't say who. And no
1: spoilers.
0: Yeah, Catwoman's trying to save him or stop him from saving the person. Batman's like, "No, I can't save the person." Catwoman says to him, "But you're, yeah." The 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 Catwoman says to him, "Oh, forget your moral high ground, Batman, and just let him die." And I'm like, you know, Tim Burton's Batman would have not even thought about that. He just would have let the person die, and. I don't know why they didn't include the character that was originally written in that comic in there, but you know, I mean, Batman, of course, as we know, he's not a killer. He goes out of his way to let people live, but you know, seeing, seeing him not properly written in that format was, uh, it, it kind of threw me off of it.
1: Yeah. I, I will say that, um, there, I forget where and when, um, because I am also a fan of the stories where Batman's moral compass is he just does not cross that line and he does not kill. Um, the, people did, when, when when, we saw, what was it, Batman versus Superman and people were losing their minds that Batflick flick as they call it, was basically yeah. had guns and was was killing people. There were there were people that came out and said, actually, Batman has killed in the comics before. It's just not our pop. It's not popular. Those are not as popular as the comics where Batman is struggling to not cross that line, even though there are sometimes he feels like he could, especially with the Joker. And those are very compelling. Again, they're very compelling stories because it's. Bringing in the moral dilemma that Batman has, and the one thing that we enjoy is that he's really trying to not, to not sink to a criminal's level. So he has no problem giving people concussions. He has no problem breaking ribs, but as long as he doesn't kill, he his conscience is clear. You know, kind of thing.
0: (laughs) Right? Exactly. I was watching Icons on Earth, and I saw you guys talking about Ang Lee's Hulk. Well, what are, What is your thought on that movie? Because I, I have my own thoughts on that one, but
1: <sighs> Ang Lee's Hulk. It's been so long since I've seen it because I find it forgettable. Yeah. I do. I again. That, that's that's kind of my thought on. It. I find it forgettable. I don't remember hating anything about it. I don't remember. Thinking, I, I I remember liking that they added some comic book strips to the cinematography of it. Um, but I, I I understand why Hulk has been a difficult character to have a solo outing film on and yeah. do it properly and do it compelling. I think a lot of people uh, were commenting, and I, I somewhat agree, and maybe you will agree on this, when when Mark Ruffalo got cast as Hulk and they put him in Avengers, there was a lot of credits that said, ah this is how you do hulk you don't have him as a lead you have him as a side backup character and that's how he works best Mm -hmm. um i somewhat agree with that i but i do think that if you again i think planet hulk would be a very i mean they kind of did planet hulk and thor ragnarok but i think you know planet hulk and what would do well as a solo outing film potentially it just depends
0: yeah yeah well you know here's the thing i i liked that hulk tried to do something a little different and it's not like every other mcu film sure because it's a it's a deep psychological character study about a guy who ends up having to come to terms with his own anger now was it the most successful drama not really you know a lot of it's very dry a lot of it's the Hulk just running around in the desert while the military is like firing missiles at him and he's avoiding them. Uh, but I I respected the fact that it tried to do something a little different and it wasn't like every other MCU film. Now, this was before the MCU even existed. This was back in right. 2003. Um, <clears throat> you know, when I saw it in 2003, I remember walking out of the film thinking that was pretty good. And then I remember that the second week it had a huge box office drop. And everyone talked about how terrible he looked, but I don't know. I never felt like the Hulk really looked that great on screen. You know, maybe the closest they got to him is maybe the MCU, but still it looks like, I don't know. You can't really do green and do CGI and have it look believable. It's going to look disbelievable either way you make it. So, you know, with, with that film, I respect what it did, but I don't think it necessarily stuck the landing with everything but i do do appreciate the fact that it wasn't just you know another marvel movie but
1: well, and but again at the time it wasn't just another marvel movie because the mcu didn't exist yet
0: yeah exactly it was it was the m it, it was 2003 so yeah. you know we, we didn't that i think when, didn't they reboot the whole like five years later or not even the that?
1: edward norton hulk yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, and that one was... Now, that that one, I think, is the first MCU film, actually.
1: They do consider it to be part of the MCU, even though they recast... uh, Well, at least they kept that plot line in it. Uh, You know, Mark Ruffalo's Hulk does acknowledge some events from the past, that uh, the Edward Norton Hulk film, and, of course, the General is brought over as well. And Tony Stark makes an appearance as an after credit scene in that movie. So they do acknowledge it as part of the MCU um universe, if you will. Um So I guess we can count it. I, I just keep forgetting to count it because again, it, it's just one of those films where I'm just, it's, it's just fine. Yeah. I didn't really, there wasn't anything I loved about it. There wasn't anything I hated about it. And I feel like that's, the worst sin a movie can have on somebody is that you can't really pinpoint anything that you like or dislike about it. It's just kind of there and you saw it and that was it.
0: Yeah. And that, that was the problem with incredible Hulk more than Hulk was like Hulk, you could <clears throat> venomously dislike all the daddy drama and all this other stuff that's going on in the film that really doesn't enhance or elevate the story as much as it tries to do that. And, you know, that, that can be seen as like an overly long, it's I think it's like two and a half hours, almost a yeah. movie, you know, psychological drama where the incredible Hulk is just kind of this disposable action film that, Nobody's going to really remember after it comes out, and it, people it, still have kind of forgotten about it.
1: Yeah, it's the kind of film that Martin Sor- Scorsese. Martin Scorsese. Oh God, I can't say his last name today. Martin Scorsese. Scorsese. Scorsese says is a theme park ride, and I even was even at the reading I was at last night. A film credit was mentioning, "Oh, superhero films were nothing but pow, pow, pow." There's no substance. And I said, "Wrong. You are incorrect." really great superhero movies have substance have style have character studies they have all the whole shebang you know kind of thing which is why i think you know batman always tends to be my favorite is because most of his films are you know you put different filmmakers behind a batman film and there's different styles behind them there's different you know the rogues galleries are very interesting and complex Batman himself is interesting and complex. I w- I would even argue that one of my favorite Batman films is the most meta one, which is the Lego Batman movie because yeah. I I applauded how they were just going to lean into Bruce and Batman's narcissism. Yeah. <laughs> and and basically orchestrated as like a shield for his fear of being alone. And losing people, I thought that was that was something. Even though we all knew it, it was still something different and new that the that the Lego Batman movie of all films was just. Let's talk about this part of Batman that is both hilarious but also tragic.
0: Yeah, well, and it's about Batman embracing a family and not working yeah. alone. And yeah, because that's how he is in the comics. He doesn't really work alone. Even in the movies, like without Robin, he's got Gordon and he's got Alfred and he's yeah, got everyone. Yeah. To, to support him but yeah i mean it's funny that that the lego batman movie i actually quite enjoyed a lot because you know it was a parody on batman but it's also talking about how batman is a narcissist and is basically you know kind of just doing everything for himself and for his own ego in a way Although, yes, it is to uh, avenge his parents to help people, but it's also really about, like, well, I'm Batman and I got to prove to everyone that I'm him. And da, 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 da.
1: Yeah. Um, and it also kind of has the commentary, especially when there's the scene where he goes to the Fortress of Solitude and the Justice League is having a party and he realizes that nobody thought to invite him. That's also a great commentary on the fact that Batman's kind of not that fun to be around and he's not going to show up to this thing anyway. So why bother inviting him? Yeah. It was, there was a lot of things to love about that movie, but, but going back to the critics point of like superhero films are nothing but bam, bam, wham, that's, you got, you get good writing, you get a good film director behind it, you get a good cast. That's not true.
0: Yeah. You can get Logan, you can get the dark Knight, you can get movies that really stand out as movies, not just comic book films. You know, the only problem is, is that there's so many of them that it kind of becomes like a factory chain you know, especially with, with Marvel. You yeah. Know, you get, you get, you get the, okay, you got this movie coming out. Okay. Move on to the next one move on to the next one. And even when they try to do like, they tried to do something different with the but that didn't really work out either because there was just characters who just weren't as relatable and there's too much going on all at the same time for it really to, you know, sink itself in or solidify with an audience
1: correct i mean they what what i find very funny with the eternals is for all the disney plus shows why wasn't eternals a disney plus show you had 10 new characters that nobody had really heard of before yes you were casting celebrities to be them but it doesn't matter if i if i don't really know who angelina jolie's athena character is besides the fact she's the girl that Fights and can make shields and, and weapons and stuff, but I, you know, they had a potential really good backstory about her dealing with PTSD and trauma that was never fully explored or or anything like that because the movie could only be two and a half hours and you got ten characters.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that and that that that's kind of where the, where the whole thing fell apart because people have made that point before, like, oh, you should have made it like a Disney Plus series, and if they did, I wonder if people would be in. As invested, or if they would have been bored with that, and they would have said the opposite, where they would have gone, "Oh, I wish this was a movie."
1: Um, <laughs> I don't. We'll never know. But I, w- I would say that when the Eternals came out, nobody was really fatigued yet by Marvel. This was still early yeah. after um, Endgame, and a lot of people were hyped to see what was next. So I think if it was a series, I think a lot of people would have tuned in for sure. Hmm. Um, mm. that's, that's my guess. We'll never know because it did not happen. But, um, my guess is that I think it could have had an opportunity to be popular if it was a series.
0: Yeah, it it, it might have been. I, I just feel like the movie, it, it was just very flat, mm. you know, that was the problem with it. <laughs> it was, it
1: was, it was another generic there. The world is going to end and the heroes have to stop the world from ending yeah. kind of thing. Um. Well, I think they could have done something different with them uh, dealing with their moral compass of they did not get involved with Thanos Mm -hmm. or any of the bad guys. And they and some of them have been I I think the plot could have been some in-house fighting like like their own kind of civil war of some some Eternals being dissatisfied with the fact that they are restricted by rules and guidelines from their maker that they can't do something. And the other ones are completely like, but this is what we are. This is what we do. There will be chaos if we get involved. Blah, 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 blah. That's, that was the most interesting thing about Eternals for me was yeah. just kind of that moral dilemma they had.
0: Yeah, I, I do remember that that they uh, they did have some internal fighting. They did have people picking sides, but it just wasn't enough to really kind of keep the movie afloat. But what, no. what, one Marvel property that... Is kind of interesting was the Guardians of the Galaxy was a little different. You know, can you talk a little bit about how you found that one to be because I saw your episode on icons unearthed on about it? Can you yeah. talk a little bit about how you found that one to be different and how it worked?
1: Uh to me, um, it always starts with the filmmaker and the director that's behind it and the script. And you know, w- what I loved about Guardians is I was Probably the perfect candidate to try out um, the the Guardians of the Galaxy movie because I did not read the comic, didn't really know who any of the actors were uh, were besides maybe Zoe Saldana and and Chris Pratt, even though I didn't watch Parks and Rec. Um, uh oh, sorry guys for anybody that's like how could you not watch that show it's so funny i'm sorry <laughs> Me neither. Um, i didn't
0: see it so i
1: wasn't as familiar with the characters i was more of an x-men comic book person um and a batman justice league comic book person so i didn't really know the characters very well i what i thought was brilliant being a hello jack hammering um <laughs> Being a uh, musical theater major and also loving music and being a singer is how well James Gunn used soundtrack music and and Peter Peter's um Walkman as a as a narrative thread throughout the movie and as a way to kind of clue the audience in to just the feel and the tonality and and the music was just not there for the sake of being there. There was a very real sentimental purpose for the Walkman, for that playlist, being in the 60s and 70s. It's the last gift uh, Peter's mom gives him before she dies. So there's an emotional attachment to the music. Um, and I think that's the thing that made the first film work so well, was that core sentimental character of Peter and his grief for his mother and how that allows him to utilize when the Walkman is turned on. It's a coping mechanism for him. It's a motivational uh, mechanism for him. And it's a celebratory mechanism for him. So I thought that was probably the biggest thing that made me go, wow, this movie is different.
0: Yeah. I mean, how accurate is the MCU and the DCU to their own source material? Where does it deviate the most? Because if I remember correctly, the inciting incident in the Civil War had to do with, like a kid's playground getting wiped out or something like that during a fight. If I have that correct, I never read civil war, but I kind of like remember that vaguely from when I watched the cliff Notes version of it. How do these, how do the movies mostly separate from the material? Are they mostly faithful?
1: Uh, mm. Yes and no. Um, okay. So for instance, My biggest pet peeve about the X-Men films is how they've handled Phoenix. Mm. Um, I know you said the MCU, but we're talking about Marvel properties and adaptations in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So so to me, one of my favorite characters from the comics and from the cartoons is Phoenix and the backstory of her being a celestial being that can eat and destroy planets and, and the whole shebang about that. And the cartoon did it very, very well. And the movies have botched it twice now. yeah, twice they've botched yeah. the Phoenix character to where I don't and I think one of the biggest reasons they botch it is they're they're so anxious to get to the dark Phoenix point of Phoenix that they don't even allow the gradual state of how Phoenix was a really good person at for well being at, at first that had good intentions of merging with Jean Gray to kind of help protect everybody and then you know started getting corrupted by human emotion and feelings and all that stuff and then by the the hellfire club and those are all really interesting story points to work up to and both films X-Men the Last Stand and Dark <laughs> Dark Phoenix just completely over gloss all of that necessary groundwork in order to make the character compelling and interesting um, so yes and yes and no because there's also You know, really this last Batman film, which had, you know, borrowed from different comics, one of them being Batman the Long Halloween and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Um, So I think the movies take elements of live actions. I should say this. The live actions take elements of things that work in the comics that they incorporate in as sort of like a reference or Easter egg that, you know, bat geeks or marvel fans will be like oh i recognize that they're referencing something from this comic that's really cool um it's more of actually the dc animated films the pg-13 ones that are on max that go straight to video they're the ones that do a better job of basically adapting actual comic book storylines like superman red sun the death of superman you know, the Court of Owls was incorporated into Batman and Son with Damian Wayne, even though that wasn't exactly what the comic was, they they still kept the lore pretty solid, uh, I believe, you know, and I have that comic. So, you know, stuff like I feel like their animated adaptations for the DC properties are pretty solidly well done um in terms of being faithful. Um, the the movies I think they choose not to completely adapt an actual storyline. like like, give you an example. So the Flash movie um, was definitely borrowed from the Justice League Flashpoint comic book, which is a really great, fantastic comic book. And they did actually do a version of it in the animated um, world where they had Flashpoint as an animated film. I enjoyed that. Uh, Maybe DC thought, well, we just did that in animation. We're going to make the Flash thing our own. So we're only going to borrow elements from it but then we're just kind of kind of go and do our own thing in the process i don't know what's your what's your take on this i've been talking for a bit
0: no (laughs) sorry uh i always wondered because as someone who's grown up watching the movies more than reading the books i always wondered like how much they're lifting you know from the books and like for for instance i was actually reading old man logan and i saw logan And there's no there's no Hulk family in the film or anything like that, because, you know, that will kind of distract from the main storyline. And when it comes to Phoenix, they've yeah, they botched that twice. It's ridiculous. Like how they I don't even know why they tried to do it twice when they already tried to do it once.
1: It's a popular villain. And I think they get I feel like studios get the idea of like, oh, this would be a fun idea to make a. Dark Phoenix, and then there's going to be inner turmoil and conflict between the X-Men because it's Gene that's going crazy. And yeah. they don't want to, they don't want to kill Gene, but they're missing, they're missing like the setup of why it, it why this character is cool, while the why this character is dark. I mean, I was so offended in The Last Stand when they made G- Jean Grey just have a bipolar disorder. Like Phoenix was her second personality that was dark and
0: (laughs) Uh. well they didn't establish it well they didn't establish how gene was a hero and then how i think they did do that a little bit in uh in dark phoenix they they have that whole scene in the beginning with the space station where she's going over to space and she's saving the astronauts but then they kind of just go back to the same old like phoenix is acting crazy and we gotta stop her and it's not very dynamic drama when you don't have a lot to build on with that character. You just have them acting AWOL from the beginning. And that's sort of where the problem with that lies in. Uh, yeah. But I mean, and then with the Batman films, at least they seem to be the most faithful although they take their own liberties as well like i mean you saw the batman recently i don't know if he was this you know whining young boy who treats alfred like crap you know
1: (laughs) i mean uh, this was definitely emo batman for sure um I, I liked I liked the Batman best when he was in the batsuit. Uh yeah. For me, the weakest part of the Batman, besides the fact it was too long, and I never say that as somebody that loves Batman, I will watch four hours of a good Batman movie if they give me one. Yeah. Um I, I, I did feel like the the pacing uh, towards the end of the, the the Batman was a little dragged a little bit. I felt we could have we could have ended it sooner rather than we did. Um, no, the weakest part of the Batman to me was the way they wrote the Bruce Wayne scenes and the way the Bruce Wayne scenes were, were orchestrated, directed. I, I don't know. It's like I don't know where, who to point to, but it just didn't, it didn't correlate with me when when Robert Pattinson was Bruce Wayne. I, I really didn't understand how people didn't know he was Batman if he just never comes out, and when he does come out, he just kind of brooding himself you know kind of and again that was a stylistic choice and it does work for some people um but to me that was the weakest part of the movies is when he's bruce wayne
0: yeah his bruce wayne didn't work so much his bruce wayne was kind of like too too emo too whiny you know too, too much within like what people were afraid of when they cast robert pattinson which i thought robert pattinson did a really good job as batman when he's batman You know, but when he's Bruce Wayne, it's just kind of weird, like he's listening to Nirvana when he's like working in the garage and stuff like that. And like, do we really need that in the film? But I mean, I digress. Uh, But I mean, speaking of the Batman, what do you think the condition is of the DCU?
1: Um I'm cautiously optimistic uh, as somebody that likes what James Gunn has done with the Guardians of the Galaxy and what he did with The Suicide Squad even though a lot of people didn't see it. I I I am hopeful that he will you know spearhead a really strong uh DCEU um DCEU yeah DC yeah dc i guess dcc is it dceu i'm i'm like uh, the
0: the detective comics cinematic universe so it'd be dccu
1: yeah i don't know where i got dceu i thought it was maybe extended, extended universe. universe yeah, yeah. extended universe um anyways regardless i i am hopeful that the dc cinematic universe will have a uh renaissance if you will because i i personally prefer those characters over marvel characters i've been a you know as a kid i grew up watching batman the animated series rest in peace my batman kevin conroy i I really enjoyed the justice league animated series i thought that was i i almost prefer that over the batman animated series just because Mm. I, i i really enjoyed the writing i liked that kevin conroy's batman had a little bit more flavor to him because he was teaming up with superman and flash and green lantern like all of those characters are so great and i think you know given some time and care um i think you could absolutely get audience members on board going to see a superman movie i mean people are showing up for batman regardless the batman films have just always done very well people are excited for joker too that has nothing to do with james gunn's uh cinematic universe yeah um, that's already being made. Same thing with Batman. That's that the sec- sequel, I think the Penguin series is currently being made right now. Yeah. So I think I think the one thing that DC has going for it, that Marvel does not, is that d c can actually make different types of properties. Yeah. You can make an R rated superhero movie with DC. Uh, as I say that, I understand that Deadpool Three is going to be rated R. I, I understand that that's going to be in the MCU. But the MCU has been stuck being family entertainment because disney has been family entertainment Mm -hmm. so therefore there's only so much you can do without breaking the pg-13 barrier and my recommendation to marvel would be like go ahead and just make different types of marvel stuff have some things be rated r have some things be pg or pg-13 or anything like that don't be afraid to permanently i don't think you have to permanently kill characters but let's have real stakes to where, you know, something's going to go wrong and nobody will come back or somebody's going to retire or, you know, like they did with Captain America and Iron Man kind of thing. Um, But I think with DC, you have the opportunity to create different even styles. I mean, Batman works so well as a noir. Superman works so well as like a a serialized kind of good old-fashioned, good old boy kind of property you know, uh, Green Lantern doing it properly. It could be a great little cop drama because it's basically what they are. Um, so if you if you lean into different types of genre, which I think James Gunn will, then I think that helps keep the superhero franchise fresh. That's my take.
0: Yeah, I, I think that they the, the nice thing with DC is they do have those movies where they, they can kind of veer off from just doing the standard formula. You know, you have your dark nights and I know this wasn't DC, but one thing Marvel did well is when they made Logan, that that wasn't just the same thing that you usually see. This was a story about a man struggling with his own mortality and his purpose in life. And, you know, this is like a post-apocalyptic, what if all the mutants died and Professor X had dementia? And, you know, Logan was a man on his own. Like, that That was all really great when they did that. And I understand Deadpool 3 is going to be rated R. And I think the new Blade's going to be rated R, although I've heard that it's been having a lot of problems. I think that's getting
1: rewritten again.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's getting rewritten. Like, because apparently Blade wasn't even the star of his own show in it. Or yeah, movie. I mean,
1: I don't know if that got proven, but yeah, that was definitely the word on the table was what the word on the street was that for sure. I, I, Blade's been through a lot of production hell, so I don't know what to believe from what we've told. All I've known is they announced it a long time ago, and yet there's still no film.
0: Yeah, the, same same with the Spawn movie. You know, that that was announced. And first off, making Todd McFarland director is a mistake, in my opinion. You should actually get yeah. a director who actually has experience in directing. Don't just get someone who hasn't done any directing before and then place him in front of the director's chair and say, okay, go make a movie. You could get, uh, I'm blanking on his name, but the guy who wrote the Blade movies ended up directing the third one. I think David Goyer. Yeah. yeah. And he, he, like we saw what the results were with Blade 3. Uh, we're going to get the same results with Spawn, You know, with Todd McFarlane directing. Like, it won't be corny, funny, like, drama, but just the casting of Jamie Foxx as Spawn himself is just off to me. Jamie Foxx is never really intimidating. So how he's going to all of a sudden be this imposing figure that unleashes hell on everyone, I don't see happening. Uh, But then, you know... and of course you get the Dark Knight films, which were directed by Christopher Nolan, which ironically, I, I god, it was it Christopher Nolan who said it. He said, like, hey, you should go see more movies by Christopher or Martin Scorsese, Yesterday, should say. Did Martin Scorsese say that that people should see a Christopher Nolan movie instead of a uh uh a, a Batman movie? movie and i'm just like well christopher nolan made batman movies
1: i i i did not did not actually see that but it'd be funny if that was no
0: he he said like hey you should go see movies like oppenheimer you know from christopher nolan and i'm like that guy who made a batman trilogy like are you guys do you guys even know what you're saying at this point
1: yeah i yeah i think i think martin scorsese's um you know, comments on this goes back to if you, if you allow different filmmakers to take superheroes into different genres and make different types of superhero movies, you're not, they're not going to feel like theme park rides and they're not going to feel, there's not going to be any fatigue and there's not going to, it's not going to be formulaic. Um, And people keep forgetting that there are, you know, Walking Dead is a comic book as well. It's not, comic books are not just superheroes. It's just a matter of, it's a different, you know, story format. It's a different, it's a diff- different way to tell a different narrative, just like novels are. So I think it's just I, I think it's just a matter of Martin Scorsese is calling out if it if it all feels the same, then it feels like a theme park, right? Yeah, that's really what it is
0: and the, And the funniest thing is is that he actually almost directed the Joker movie, yeah, you know, which because it's
1: because it's based on what ta- taxi driver, yeah,
0: yeah, because it was basically based on taxi driver and King in New York and yeah, like all, all these Scorsese movies put together. But, you know, in the end, he didn't do it because probably it would have been too derivative of his own work.
1: Yeah, he probably would feel it wouldn't have been creatively fulfilling. Yeah. stimulating.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. But, uh, I mean, before we uh, take off, I just had one question. What do you think Disney could do, if possible, to fix Boba Fett? Because I don't know if you've seen Book of Boba Fett, but I, was- I I
1: have seen Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. I, I I don't know if it's even worth mentioning because I don't think they would do it. But they need to they need to go back to making Boba Fett a a, a bad guy.
0: Yeah, I think they, so too. And they I can mean, do. His-
1: I hate saying the word bad guy. I I want to say they need to let him be flawed. They need to let him be selfish. They need to let him make mistakes they need to let him be i mean people liked him because he was a badass he was on the dark side of things and i don't think he was on the dark side of things i think he was just a, a bounty hunter that was kind of in it for himself and i think if you add more layers to him he'll be more interesting
0: yeah yeah and i mean they could easily do a story where he goes back to being a morally uh you know gray sort of character they, they could do something where they go into. The, you know, what used to be Jabba's palace, they burn the place down, you know, they destroy everything he's worked on. And then he's out on a hunt for revenge. And that could be your book of Boba Fett season two, where he's like, okay, I tried to do the good guy thing. It didn't work out. I'm going to go back to it being my own self. You know, one, one thing I wish I really did is like, I wish you visited Camino and mm-hmm. went to the clone facilities. You know, and he looks at all the clones that they were going to make, and he goes, "This isn't me. These aren't my brothers." You know, I'm my own man. I carve my own destiny, and they could do something like that. They they try to do that with visual representation when he was yeah. tripping out on the lizard, and yeah, you know that, and he was going through his own little spiritual journey, but not not you know that's not. That's not bubba He's always supposed to be someone who's been on his own, has been a bounty hunter, and has been a man who does contract jobs for work, you know, yeah. not someone who's going around town with his helmet off smiling at people. Yeah. You know. But I don't know. Having said that, I think we're actually running out of time here. Uh but- so I just want to thank you again. I almost called you Beverly. Uh, Victoria <laughs> Sh- Shetty Bennett, thank-, thank you for coming on. Thank you, thank for-, you for having this. me. Yeah uh where where can we find you like this is your chance to plug things
1: yes uh you can find me on instagram at bevan Spice. it's actually in the little header right here and then um also please be be sure to check out beverages with bevan on tubi it is for a free subscription service you do not even have to sign up in order to watch it you can just google beverages with bevan on tubi and it would pop up no paying nothing, no signing up for nothing. You can just watch it then and there. It's great. We really appreciate it. There's a lot of great indie comic book writers on there. There's people that are Funko's on there too. You know, we've got a lot of different types of people from all walks of life in the Phantom community.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. And again, you can check my stuff out at You'll Probably Agree or YPA Reviews.com, the YPA Center. You'll probably agree. And uh, yeah. Victoria, thank you so much for doing this again, and thank uh, you. It was
1: fun.
0: yeah, and uh, may- maybe we'll uh, do another episode sometime. We'll see. Maybe. <laughs> all right, all right. Thanks for watching, everybody.
1: Bye.